Hello and welcome to the latest episode of When Sky Invented Football, the beautiful game viewed from the wrong end of a rolled-up fanzine, or, if you prefer, the thinking fan's guide to the modern game. My name is Adrian Goldberg, and this time the ongoing row about the FA's decision to null and void the season for non-league men's clubs at levels 3 to 7, and women's football at the same level too leaving players deflated after a season of hard effort and many hard-working people behind the scenes feeling their investment of time and sometimes money has counted for nothing. At the top levels of the professional game, the Premier League and the EFL, clubs are expecting, of course, to eventually resume their seasons. Below that, clubs in the National League and the National League North and South, what are known as Levels 1 and 2, have already voted on a collective basis to end their respective seasons, but they are now being given a choice whether to freeze the tables as they are and base promotion and relegation on that, or to work out the final standings based on the average number of points per game already earned, or to call it null and void. The point is that they will individually have a vote and collectively get to choose. But there was no such democracy for levels 3 to 7. This encompasses the Northern Premier League, the Ithmian League and the Southern League and the leagues below that. Instead, it seems the decision to null and void their seasons was made over one weekend by just four members of the FA's Alliance Committee, with input from two members of the FA's Leagues Committee. Yet the outcome has affected many hundreds of clubs and thousands of players and volunteers. Although the plan has since been ratified by the FA Council, many clubs are still angry. Leading the opposition is Jeff Thompson, chairman of South Shields FC, runaway leaders of the Northern Premier League. Clearly we're, we're, we're upset by not only the process that was followed, but the speed of the, the decision and of course the lack of consultation. And, and the lack of consistency, as you've just touched on, with other leagues making different decisions. But to go back in time, I reached out to Mark Harris, who's the chairman of Northern Premier League. I rang him, actually, the day before there was this announcement. So Mark didn't give me for certain what the outcome was going to be, but he hinted at it. But my point is, the following day, which is around the 25th, I think, of March, um, we heard on social media steps three to seven were now null and void and that the entire results were expunged everybody's efforts players fans management volunteers that the whole thing was going to be wiped from the record book um, and of course since i heard that from well heard that on social media hinted at by mark harris when i spoke with him the day before we've obviously done a lot of digging and have a better understanding of how the decision was made and um all that's done, quite frankly, is reinforce our our kind of disquiet and our and our uh, well our unhappiness, for want of a better term. So I'm happy to talk you through that, Adrian, if you like. Yeah, please. What have you learned about how the decision was made? Well, basically, the weekend of March the 20th, which I think was a Friday, through to Monday the 23rd, the Alliance Committee were asked to make a recommendation or a decision. My point would be quite a small group of people were asked to make a decision and they did so and announced it shortly thereafter over that weekend of March the 20th, 20th through to March the 23rd. 
And we should say at this point, Jeff, that there's no suggestion of impropriety on behalf of any one of those individuals. We're simply describing the system that was in place that, as you understand it, made this decision. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I hope, and I'm glad you've emphasised that, Adrian. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. The only point I'm emphasising is that it was a decision made over a weekend with a relatively small group of people. I'm sure they were acting in good faith, but nevertheless, they made a decision that has far-reaching implications for a whole host of non-league football clubs, and indeed, I'd argue, has implications for the integrity of the entire English Football League pyramid. So, Adrian, I'm not suggesting any impropriety at all. You know, it's just that my, my message and my point is that there's a relatively small number of people met over that weekend of the 20th through the 23rd of March. I'm sure they acted in good faith to try and reach a decision. But there was it was a speedy decision. It was it was made in haste, in my opinion, and there was little to no consultation with the member clubs who have been impacted by it. And for your club, South Shields FC, what does the nulling and voiding of the season mean, Jeff? Well, you know, a lot of people will think I'm I'm, I'm only representing South Shields interests. I must stress that I think there is a bigger player here, that the whole integrity of the English football pyramid is at, is at stake. But to answer your specific point, yes, you know, South Shields, we had nine games remaining of this just past season. <laughs> um, so we had nine games remaining, so circa 75 to 80% of the season complete. We were 12 points clear, and um, we'd invested heavily throughout the period, not just this season past, but over a number of seasons to get our club ultimately with our aim of returning to the Football League. So, you know, we've been on a journey uh, that's involved a lot of effort and a lot of um, commitment, both financially and time. And frankly, not, not just from me, but from a whole host of people. And so clearly the implications of this null and void decision for South Shields particularly is pretty traumatic. We'd made assumptions about our budget for next year. You know, we'd, we'd hoped for promotion to National League North. We'd planned on that. We'd invested, as I say, this year with that objective in mind. And clearly, given the decision, we're doing a lot of rework on what is a very uncertain period of time now with the pandemic, of course, but also, you know, what league we're going to be playing in, when it might start. There's a number of unanswered questions at this stage. But you were runaway leaders of your division. You were nailed on, really, for promotion. Yeah, without sounding arrogant. I mean, you know, yes. <laughs> In a nutshell, we were. You know, that's the frustration. I think, you know, I've emphasised already, Adrian, that we're, um, our concern was the, the speed of the decision-making, you know, done over that weekend, the, the lack of consultation and the limited number of people involved in the decision-making process. And also what is becoming clearer as each day passes, a lack of consistency, which is why I keep emphasising this point about the integrity of the English pyramid, because... You can't have one rule for one club at a certain level and another rule for somebody else. Unless, of course, what we're arguing is that money really dictates the decision-making process. And if that's the case, it would be a very, very, very sad day for English football. And Jeff, knowing that 
you were very concerned about this. I did contact the FA and they sent me a statement saying the FA Council has ratified the decision to conclude the 2019-20 season across steps three to seven of the National League system and also of the women's football pyramid as well. They say the FA Council vote was overwhelmingly in favour of ratifying the decision. And they then sent me a link to a previous press release they've done explaining why that decision was taken. A statement from Lawrence Jones, who's the uh, head of NLS, National League System, uh, at the FA. Now, when I look down Lawrence's statement, it, it references decision-making. It says, steps one to four are represented through the Alliance Committee. Now, step one is the National League. Step two is National League North and South. But they weren't part of this decision-making, which directly impacted upon you. Yeah, indeed. And, and in fact, that, that weekend meeting to which I refer, there might have been a series of discussions, but over that weekend of the 20th through 23rd, there was clearly some decisions that allowed steps one and two to be carved out of the decision that was ultimately made for steps three and below. So somehow steps one and two and by the way, I applaud the process that they've followed, which perhaps we can come on to, but they were carved out of this decision and they've gone down a different path. The other thing I'd say is, you know, once we found out on social media with, with this limited consultation, well, zero consultation, I made some comments on social media, but I was astounded by the strength of feeling across and down the pyramid. And in a very short space of time, you know, we had approaching 200 clubs who were of the same mind, you know, that they felt the decision was rushed, was unfair, wasn't consistent, etc. And so what we did was we we wrote an open letter um, to the FA Council, because we knew the FA Council were meeting on the 9th of April to ratify the decision. But what happened, Adrian, was, so we wrote the open letter signed by over 150 clubs. And by the way, that number, you know, was growing all of the time. And we really implored the FA Council members to really reconsider and not to ratify the decision. Now, I understand that, unfortunately, they did, they did decide to ratify it. Having said that, you know, there's over 100 members of that FA Council. There's over 100 members of it. So what happened was, you know, they were asked to ratify a decision. The FA Council ratified it. But the FA Council's ratification was simply, you know, there wasn't a debate. There's over 100 participants in a WebEx meeting. and limited debate and it was just simply do you vote to ratify yes or no it's not a surprise really it was an easy decision with the greatest respect to the FA council members it was far easier for them to ratify that rather than to have any further open debate which which would have been very very difficult in that forum were you in any way formally or informally sounded out as to your opinion as a club over this decision no, we weren't. And that applies to so many other clubs. There was no consultation with us. That's also true of the various clubs that signed the open letter to the FA Council members. And it's also true for uh, the women's game and for the disabled game, because, you know, a great many of them have also joined us in our, you know, in our, our, our sort of disquiet about how the decision was made. And we mentioned the contrast between what's happened at levels three to seven and then at the non-league levels above you, which is National League, which is, of course, the feeder league into the Football League. And then below that, National League North, 
which you had been hoping to play in next season, and National League South. Now, they've taken the decision to end their season, and there is still the option to, to null and void the season. But as I mentioned earlier, the point is that each of the clubs will have a vote in that decision, and as well as the option to null and void, they will have the option to simply say the tables as they stand will count for promotion and relegation, or there could be a points-per-game ratio worked out so that the season would be determined on playing merit, at least based on what we know of the season so far. And is, is that something you would have approved of at your level? Oh, most certainly. And, you know, the contrast between uh, how the board of steps one and two have uh, progressed with the problem and tried to, to try to come to a resolution, the contrast between their methods and process and the one that I've described for steps three to seven is, you know, like chalk and cheese. And I applaud what they've done. You know, they, their board have um, proposed a resolution. That resolution, as you've said, Adrian, was to um, basically stop the season. So that's the first decision that the clubs were invited to comment on and vote on. So very participative, very democratic, everybody involved in the decision making. And ultimately, um, they've decided, as you know, to cease the season. And now, equally, there's a further dialogue and discussion and involvement with all of the clubs to decide whether it's one of the three options you've outlined. Is it null and void? Is it points per game? Or is it freeze, freeze the, uh, the table as it stands? And, you know, the contrast between that and what Steps 3 to 7 have endured. So I don't want to be, again, overly aggressive or, or, or sound litigious, but it's just the, the inconsistencies. You know, you, 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 we're comparing the process that Steps 1 and 2 followed with that of 3 and 7, but even within the 3 and 7 process, however flawed it might have been, there are so many inconsistencies. That just doesn't sound very democratic nor nor an open and fair decision-making process. One curiosity of that weekend was that it was also revealed that the betting company, Bet Victor, who are the sponsors of steps three and four in the men's game, had decided to withdraw their sponsorship. Is that in any way relevant to the decision-making, do you think? Well, it clearly shouldn't have been, Adrian, but you know, I'm glad you raised that because, again, in the written correspondence that the clubs have received, it is stated that, and I quote, an important factor in our decision-making was the fact that you know, Bet Victor had withdrawn their sponsorship. Now, firstly, I'd say that that decision about Bet Victor had, it, that had already been signalled to the leagues a number of weeks earlier than that weekend of the 20th to the 23rd. So they, they knew that. It just wasn't in the public domain. So they already knew that they were losing the sponsor. But it, but why on earth that loss of sponsorship should be, again, I quote, uh, a major factor in our decision making? I just do not understand that. And I'm sure that applies to all of my other friends and colleagues across and down the non-league game. And of course, as I say, players, fans, volunteers. That just is so inconsistent and really is hard to compute. But it has been cited to you as one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's been. I've, I've seen that in writing. Jeff, you say you don't want to get litigious, but you've taken legal advice over this decision, and you've told me that if need be, you will become 
litigious. Just explain what you've been advised and how far you're willing to go in this battle. Yeah, well, I must, you know, I'd start by saying, you know, Adrian, you don't know me, sadly, from Adam, but, you know, as an individual, I'm not an aggressive, litigious, difficult individual, not that that matters, but I just want to make put that on the record. And actually, the culture and values of our football club and the town that we represent, you know, aren't based on anything like that either. You know, we pride ourselves on being a strong community football club, representing a town of 80,000 people and a conurbation around South Tyneside of 160,000 hardworking individuals. And uh, so my point is, it's not in our gene pool to act or behave like this in any way, if I can say that. Um, but the point is, you know, I've got a duty to protect the interests of South Shields Football Club and the town that the football club represents, as have so many of those other clubs that I mentioned. Uh, you know, there's so many of them that have signed up to our open letter and that feel just as strongly as I do. So to answer your question, we've sought some legal advice. We did send a letter to each of the chairmen of that alliance committee. So we sent it to Northern Premier League Chair, Isthmian League Chair and Southern League Chair. And the letter, as it was drafted by our lawyers and signed off by all of us, wasn't, again, aggressive. It, it raised a whole series of questions that we were hoping to have answers to. And unfortunately, we got a very unhelpful to negative response from the, each of the league chairmen. So, so they weren't prepared to enter any dialogue or to discuss how the decisions were arrived at. So that has left us in a position where we have obviously spoken further with our lawyers, we are now seeking counsel opinion. We've gone to, I won't name the individual, but we've gone to a leading, if not the leading sports uh, QC in the UK. And we are awaiting some further advice and we'll, we'll take it as far as we need to. What I would say, Adrian, is I guess what happens elsewhere also has a bearing because, you know, we've seen what's happened in Scotland, for example, below the Scottish Premier League, where they have adopted points per game solution. We touched already on our conversation today about what's happening in steps one and two. So, you know, a lot will determine, if I take steps one and two as an example, if, if there's a decision there that says, well, actually, there is going to be promotions and relegations, there is going to be either a points per game or uh, a freezing of the table and, and, and results derived on the basis of that, then surely that should apply to us and therefore quite quite clearly our legal argument is enhanced and, um, you know, I, I guess I've got to reserve my position really in that I, I'm going to wait until we get council's opinion and we're going to wait and see what happens at steps one and two particularly. But it's interesting that UEFA have said to the FA and all of their member football associations that they would like entry to next season's UEFA competitions to be decided if possible on sporting merit and they themselves have referenced the possibility of points per games ratio so from the very top of European football there is an indication that something that reflects the sporting integrity of the season that we've had so far even if it can't continue is the way ahead. Yeah absolutely and I mean I, I'm sure everybody listening to this or if you did a poll of the average man or woman in the street they'd say the same thing you know it's it's about fairness you know um again you know rewarding sporting success 
all right, only 75 to 80% of the season's complete. It's not an ideal situation that any of us find ourselves in. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult set of, of circumstances. But nevertheless, these principles have to have to apply. Absolutely fascinating speaking to you, Jeff. And clearly, this battle isn't over yet and it does say to it does seem to me i have to say as an ordinary fan listening to this that you have been the victims of a of a gross injustice but we'll see what plays out over the coming weeks really appreciate you spending time with us if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast by the way please do spread the word particularly on twitter where you can find me at goldberg radio i'm on email goldbergradio at gmail.com Thanks very much indeed to Jeff Thompson and thank you very much indeed for listening. Cheers, Jeff. Thank you, Adrian.